Hello and uh, welcome to another Facebook Live. Uh, today I want to talk about meditation. So before I do, I'm just going to check to make sure that I can see any questions or comments you have if you're watching this live. Um, somebody actually asked me uh, just yesterday, emailed me and said, do you have any schedule for when you do these Facebook Lives so that I can actually, you know, plan for it and come on and ask you a question? And the simple answer is uh, no, I don't. Um, I'm not that organized. I would like to do that. Maybe if there's enough interest, um, I could like try to every Saturday at a certain time pop on and do something. Um, <coughs> but I wouldn't like to promise that because I know how disorganized I am. Um, but for any of you are, who are listening, yes, I can see myself on my computer and so I can see your comments. Okay, so what I wanted to chat about is uh, a conversation I was having with a good friend uh, yesterday. Uh, we were talking about meditation and how meditation is kind of growing uh, as a phenomenon in America and especially you see it in the West Coast and that many people connect this with the increasing anxiety that people feel in this kind of frenetic uh, kind of uh, commodified world that we live in with infinite choices and difficult work practices etc. And so um, especially among younger generation, there is this explosion of anxiety. And she, she's studying psychology and she wants to do a research project in this. And uh, she said that her son um, said that actually among his friends, uh, he, I don't know what age he is exactly, maybe around 15, but um, he was saying that he doesn't know very many of his friends who aren't taking some sort of medication uh, to ease anxiety. And what actually is, seems to be being suggested by some research is that meditation and yoga and the various drugs actually work. Um, and by work, I mean they can lower your anxiety so that you can get on with your day, so that you can kind of work harder and uh, you know, not lose your mind. Um, now, that seems obvious to me anyway. I mean, the very fact that big organizations like you know, Twitter and Apple and Microsoft and Google um, seem to actively encourage their employees to do meditation, yoga, do spiritual retreats, um, you know, would suggest that it helps, it helps their organizations, it helps create capital. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't be encouraging it. So, you know, their workers might be stressed out. So they, you know, some big companies, in fact, even will have yoga at their workplace or they'll have spaces set aside where you can go and you can meditate and even, you know, take time off your work. Maybe if you're too stressed, take an hour off, go into the meditation room, whatever, right? Um, and of course, whenever big corporations are doing things like that, then you know that uh, these activities are not... Um, uh, very uh, dangerous, right? They're conservative in a sense that they, they allow the company to run smoothly. And so what we were talking about and what I was saying is that I think, yeah, meditation as it's practiced in America and, uh, you know, other forms of spirituality do work in that way. And I'm imagining that more and more research will come out that will show that this works. But that this is the problem, 
the precise problem with the way we do meditation and we use yoga and all these other practices and various cognitive therapies, etc., um, is not that they don't work, but is that they do. Um, in that, if you feel like ill at ease in your world, you're not feeling part of the world, so you engage in some sort of counselling or meditation, and that kind of helps you uh, embrace and accept your, you know, your work or your relationship or whatever. Um, the issue there <coughs> is that the idea of being in the world but not of it is seen as negative. But within parotheology, uh, the idea is that being in the world but not of it isn't something to get rid of, isn't something to cover over, isn't something to try to minimize. But actually, that is a feeling that we should encourage. It is a feeling that we should mobilize rather than minimize. And it is an experience that we should somehow learn to enjoy. So instead of minimizing the experience of being in the world but not of it, right, the anxiety of that, we want to mobilize it and enjoy it. Um, now, there's another extreme, by the way, which is uh, completely being out of the world. In other words, you create your own fantasy world, your own conspiracy theories, you, your own kind of church environment that is completely detached from the social fabric. But I'm not going to look at that now, but that is another way of trying to avoid this being in the world but not of it. One is to try to integrate into your world as well as you can, and the other is to try to escape from the world with all its antagonisms and to create a new Eden, a new political or religious movement that um, gets rid of that antagonism. <coughs> but uh, instead of those two approaches, what I'm interested in with the kind of power of theological practice, which is called transformance art, is that actually this discontent that we feel tells us something important about the problems within our society, within our relationships, within our world, and that we need to listen to that discontent. We need to interrogate it. We need to, and when I use the term mobilize, what I mean is we need to use it as a fuel to make change within our world, to challenge things, not to conserve the world as it is, but to challenge the world as it is. But it's not just mobilizing in the sense of <clears throat> imagining a better type of work for yourself, a better political system, a better religious system. Um, it's also enjoying the struggle itself because in a way, the fantasy we always have is that there is some way to get rid of this discontent, to get rid of the anxiety. But rather what we want to do, I think, is rob it of its sting, uh, rob it of its negative power to try to kind of like positivize it in some sort of way and that's incredibly difficult to do um, that's why i think we need practices um, psychoanalysis is a practice that is designed to um, listen to discontent to not integrate you into the world but to rather help you enjoy not fitting in the world <laughs> enjoy how you um, are the odd one out that you don't quite fit in and see that as something that is positive, <coughs> positive in a sense of uh, makes you, you know, an individual, uh, but also 
can help you, uh, you know, uh, challenge certain things within your life and within your world that are problematic and seek change. So instead of kind of like a lot of like drugs, of course, are a version of this. People take drugs in order to minimize their sense of discontent in the world. And there's nothing wrong with that. We all do that occasionally, whether it's drinking or going to an art gallery or going to the cinema or what, you know, we often escape. Holidays are a great example where we just go away for two weeks. But holidays are inherently conservative as a phenomenon because, you know, you get stressed out all year, but you're imagining, oh my goodness, like, you know, in, in six months time, I'm going to be on that cruise. And so the, the, the dream of the holiday allows you to cope with maybe a job that you hate or family relationships that are difficult. Every time it gets too much, you imagine, oh, you know, I'm going to be on holiday. I'm going to have a few weeks where I can just relax and get away from everything. And then when you're on the holiday, you calm down, you sit by the beach, you relax, you get your energy levels back up, and then you re-enter your life and your world. And the holiday gives you, in a sense, a chance to uh, recharge your batteries. So what it doesn't do is it doesn't challenge you to change your life it actually enables you to stay within it, right? That's why if someone is always talking about leaving their work and say traveling the world, right? They're always talking about it, right? In, in, their, in the workplace. Very often, that's the very thing they need to do to ensure that they never leave the workplace. So the fantasy of leaving it all behind and <clears throat> traveling the world is the fantasy they have that enables them to remain invested in the workplace. It's often the person who doesn't say anything, but lets it bubble up within and within and within. And finally, they explode and go, right, I'm out of here. I'm giving up my job and moving on. Um, so what kind of practices can we engage in that don't act like a holiday, but that act like um, a festival? Or something like that. Act like a you know a festival you go to and you hear great music and you hear great ideas and this is why I run festivals actually in Belfast. The idea is it's it's weirdly the opposite of a holiday. Uh, you go to these events and we yeah we sit and drink in pubs and we have a laugh and we listen to music and there's comedy and there's all of that stuff, but all of it is designed not to help you smoothly go back into your world but rather to think about how you can change the world that you're going back into. Now the idea of this, the festivals and the retreats that I run is they're only five days long so um, and you wouldn't want them to last all year they couldn't your liver couldn't cope with it right but the idea is that those five days allow you a space to really listen to the struggles that you have and the difficulties that you've been facing, um, to mobilize them as in to kind of try to turn them into fuel, to say, okay, how can I use this kind of discontent I have, say about my religious world, maybe you're a pastor or whatever, how can I use this discontent to actually either change things within the system that I currently am part of, or to leave that system, if, if need be, uh, or to change the relationship I'm in, or leave the relationship. Um, and this is the importance, I think, of festivals, or at least they're the importance of why I run festivals. 
these transformance art events. Because the idea is, yeah, a holiday is fantastic. And a holiday, my goodness, we need it. And I mean, in this world of craziness, uh, people are working too hard, underemployed, unemployed, uh, lacking money, lacking security. A holiday can give you reprieve. But what's even more important is how do we have spaces that uh, spark a change? That's why one of my retreats is called Spark. <laughs> it's a spark of creativity, but it's also there to spark a change in your life, to mobilize that discontent for some sort of good. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a concern that I have, and it's not with meditation as such. I think meditation, and there's probably versions of meditation that can act in this way, but the way that it is used within a contemporary Western society, the way it's been kind of like, um, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, uh, when you uh, put two plants together, you cut them and you graft. Yes, you gr the way it's been grafted in to our contemporary society is it's a direct response to a problem, but the response to the problem is to try to kind of help minimize the discontent and help you continue to exist within your political or religious or personal life. And that actually what we need are spaces in our lives that challenge us, that don't even challenge us, that's the wrong word, we're already being challenged, <laughs> that, that draw out the protest that is our anxiety. Because our anxiety and our symptoms are a protest against something. So the idea is not to get rid of the symptom by you know, pushing it down, but rather to uh, kind of get rid of the symptom by listening to it. Um, and sometimes you're not, you don't get rid of the symptom entirely, you just get rid of the negative dimension of your symptom. And um, it's by listening to it, and it's by kind of uh, listening to the protest that is hard baked into it, that, that the kind of real change can happen. Okay, I'm just going to see if you've got any questions or comments. I know some of you are going to hate me for this because I have some great friends who do meditation. Elliot, my housemate, is a great fan of meditation. It really helps them. I've got friends who teach yoga. And so, uh, and in one sense, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I actually think those are good. I have done yoga. I mean, I don't have a body that looks like I have, but I have done yoga occasionally. And I have my own forms of meditation, which is generally reading. I just will spend time reading. And, um, but, so my concern isn't inherently that there's a problem with meditation, you shouldn't do it. But that if the meditation is purely designed to help you reintegrate into the world, then it's a very conservative thing. It's conserving your world and we need to find ways to um, not kind of minimize your anxiety and your symptoms, but listen to them and allow them to make changes in our world. So in fear and trembling, I'm gonna look, see if you've got any questions. <laughs> Um, <coughs> so I'm coughing, I've got a cold I have not been able to uh, get rid of. Uh, I keep catching colds and all these flights that I'm taking. Um, Angela, uh, explore the question of how you're being called to mobilize your discontent. Uh, hey Angela, by the way, how you, hope you're keeping well. Um, okay. Explore the question of how you're, of how you're being called to mobilize. Okay, 
I think I hear you. Here's the problem with like uh, comments that are written. It's very hard sometimes to get the context. But what I hear in your question is uh, this idea of calling. Like, is there a call? Like, what is the call? And the call is your anxiety. Your symptom is a call, right? It's um, it's not some call that comes from outside. Uh, it, your migraines are sometimes, sometimes a migraine is just a migraine, but sometimes your migraine is a call to change something in your life or your fear of heights or enclosed spaces or open spaces or flights or, uh, you know, uh, a fear of driving on the freeway or whatever it is. Some, sometimes that is a type of calling. It's a type of call that is saying, listen, You've got to listen. You're not listening to, to your discontent, and so it's expressing itself in a particular way. And if you listen to it, it will draw you into some something better. So your symptom is a prophet. It is a, a, a this holy figure that is calling you to a different type of life. So I don't know if that, that's what I hear in your question anyway. What, what is this call? And the call is your anxiety. The call is your symptom. And we often engage with certain therapies and certain drugs and certain practices to minimize that call when actually the challenge is to try to hear it and to respond to it. I hope I did justice to your question. Um, Oh, Chris says, anyone that finds escape from anxiety in meditation is not really meditating. That's interesting. Um, I think, you, yeah, there's forms of meditation, I think, in the, because like, I'm talking about westernized kind of forms of meditation that um, potentially are designed to help you kind of maybe change, change your world. But um, I've got to say... Um, a lot of the meditation, people who do meditation that I know of, it seems to be directly designed to alleviate our anxiety and help us kind of work better. But Chris, I think you're probably, you know, you should do a Facebook Live about how, you kind of, how meditation can actually help us confront ourselves rather than um, uh, integrate us. So yeah, uh, I'd like to hear that side of things. Um, Let's see, always the questions, there's a lag time between you writing them and me seeing them. Um, the, the other thing I want to say about positively about meditation, because some of you are saying, well, you know, I've used meditation and, um, you know, it's been positive, is, well, I mean, that's the irony of what I'm kind of saying, is it does work. And, uh, but that, that is a good thing, like we all need spaces in our lives to help with anxiety but it seems like the explosion of meditation um, and, and other forms of things like in western tradition paganism and that kind of stuff seems to be very much um, a response to an increasing anxiety of living in a, t a type of post-industrial commodified frenetic kind of consumerist environment and uh, you know it's the question of what do we do with that um, Let's see. <laughs> Matt says, I'd love to give you a game of chess. Yeah, uh, Matt, you'd probably kick my ass. Um, I haven't played chess properly for a while. I'm, I'm a big fan, but I don't know anybody in LA, any of my friends who really play. So um, uh, if you're ever in Los Angeles, uh, maybe we, we can go to a coffee shop and have a game of chess. 
Uh, well, that's interesting. Shauna says, um, in cases of uh, PTSD, meditation can be helpful to turn down the volume of an understandable anxiety in response to something overwhelming uh, to bear in the day-to-day. So in other words, um, if your anxiety is ratcheted up too high, uh, then you can't really listen to it. It just destroys you. And so uh, I think Sean, as you're saying, well, if meditation can be used just to lower your anxiety enough that actually, you know, you can function, but also maybe you can listen to it. Um, that could be a positive, a positive thing. And th- that's what I mean by mobilizing and enjoying your discontent is that I think the two extremes of ratcheting up anxiety is, is, doesn't lead to transformation or change and trying to uh, get rid of it doesn't lead to transformation or change. That there's something about kind of finding a way to live with it and enjoy it and um, turn it into something productive. And so if, med- if you're suffering from such high anxiety that, yeah, it's, it's destroying your life, um, then yeah, I think that's a really good point is that you could, meditation might be able to lower the anxiety, not in order to get rid of it, but just to lower it enough to be able to um, perhaps uh, begin to deal with what, what lies beneath it. So yeah, that's a cool idea. Um, all right. I will uh, leave this controversial uh, conversation now. Well, um, because I say, it's like whenever I, it's whenever I tell my critiques of liberal theology because uh, and progressive theology, most of the most of the people my my friends are in or have been engaged with progressive theology, and they're like uh, um, always a bit shocked when I give them a give it a bit of a critique. So now I'm giving meditation a critique, and I know that pretty much everybody would disagree with me. That's my door, by the way. So I'll leave you to it. Um, take care. Bye bye.